The American Recovery and Reinvestment Act ensured that all healthcare providers are using electronic medical record systems. Unfortunately, huge flaws emerged immediately that have impaired clinical operations and revenue cycles. The quality of data flowing into the EMRs is seriously poor. The EMRs don't talk to each other, and when they do, record matching fails regularly. The Velocity Interoperability Podcast will take you to the intersection of interoperability, data quality, and medical record remediation, and bring you the innovators that address these flaws. So sit back and enjoy as we tell the story of another health IT innovator. Welcome to the Velocity Interoperability Podcast, brought to us by the gurus at Velocity. I'm your host, Joe LaBelle, and I'm really looking forward to another thought-provoking discussion where we further investigate data quality, interoperability, and medical record remediation. We're going to get right to it today. We are joined by Lee Williams, the Administrator of Business Systems for UVA Health System. Lee, welcome to the Velocity Interoperability Podcast. Thank you, Joe. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks so much for making the time. Before we start a discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? Sure. I am currently in the IT department at the University of Virginia Health System. My background is actually in revenue cycle. So the last decade, I've been sort of straddling the line between revenue cycle and information technology because, as we all know, nothing is getting done in healthcare systems these days without a strong IT foundation. I've been at academic medical centers. I was at the University of Mississippi before coming here. And my focus has been on the mid-cycle, so the point between the clinical worlds and the revenue cycle world and was part of a large EHR implementation, and that's how I really got into why technology is so important for hospital operations, specifically within the documentation capture, so with the physicians, and then moving into the billing section, coding, and HIM and documentation. So my, my experience has been in both physician practice, working with the faculty practice groups, and with the academic medical center hospital side. Outstanding. Could you take a couple of minutes and give our audience a 10,000-foot overview of what UVA Health System is all about? Sure. We are located in central Virginia, which is a lovely area of our country. We have a 570-bed acute care hospital in Charlottesville, Virginia. We are academic medical center, so we have over 100 physician specialties that we support in a large ambulatory practice with over 100 clinic locations throughout central Virginia. We do a strong pediatric program here. We've got oncology services, all of the specialty services that you would expect with an academic medical center. And our goal is to be the safest place to give and receive care. So we are highly focused on quality and are really looking to make sure that we're providing excellent service for all of our constituents in Virginia. I love it. Perfect. Lee, let's start with this. A recent guest told me that providers, EHRs, typically contain 8 to 12 percent duplicate in terms of medical records. Is that consistent with what you're seeing at UVA and what you saw at University of Mississippi? Sure. I can talk about both of those places. And 8 to 12 is, I think, to me, it sounds like a scary number because that is a lot of duplicate. If you think in one of 
10 patients that comes into your facility is, has the potential to be a duplicate with someone else. It presents a lot of risk. I've seen rates anywhere from, so after we put in programs at both facilities to really be dealing with the duplicates on a regular basis, they got down fairly low to less than 2% at each of those. But for example, at Mississippi, when we first went from paper records about five years ago to up onto an, a full EHR solution for our health system, our first duplicate medical record rate after we did the combination of the consolidation of the master patient index was more in the 20 to 25% range. I was horrified by that because it meant that about 25% of our patient population had the potential to be coming in and being identified as somebody else when they presented at our facility. So we worked really hard to get that down and it took a tremendous amount of work. We did a risk sort of stratification to the data by saying, okay, the patients who are actually scheduled to be in our facility and are identified as a potential duplicate, we need to address those first. And then we looked at patients who were recurring patients. Some of our service lines asked us to deal with those like oncology and the dialysis unit. They said, please make sure none of our patients have this issue. So we winnowed it down that way. And I think the story is very similar here at Virginia with going from paper to an electronic system. It suddenly helps you to see all of those potential duplicates. And through both for, for both facilities, it was really a ton of work of a lot of good HIM professionals reviewing charts and seeing if you do have a duplicate or not. They can be kind of difficult to find out sometimes. And in both cases, the work went back decades to be able to resolve duplicates that had existed for a long time. So 8 to 12 is probably high for those facilities that are staying on top of it, but not unrealistic in the scope of the world. And I actually did take a minute to look up and see what AHIMA's, there are American Health Information Management Association, to see what the most recent publications about duplicate rates are, and they just put out something last month. The data shows that facilities are anywhere from 1% to 10%, 12%. Less than 9% of them were at the rate that you're setting to 12 but the biggest number that stood out to me was that 45% of facilities said they did not know, and that's, I think, pretty concerning because if you don't know, that's where we were in Mississippi when we had that 25% rate. So I think the ones that aren't even looking at it have the potential to have a very high number, and the numbers that are coming in from facilities where they're saying they're keeping it low, like less than 1%, those are the ones that are staying on top of it that have a plan around duplicates and are doing that work daily. Lee, what is it that causes duplicate medical records? So this was actually very interesting for me to learn as I took on that responsibility at Mississippi, all the various ways that they occur. And one thing that stood out was that the majority were coming from emergency services areas. And the registrars who were not at all trying to make errors, but often were in stressful situations where someone needs to be seen urgently, that's why they're at the ED, if they were faced with 10 options on finding Tom Smith in the system, would choose to enter something as a new record rather than choosing one of the options when they weren't confident. So sometimes it's just not being able to identify quickly from the options that you have which one of these is a match. Other times it was that the patient would provide information that the system couldn't recognize was a match. Maybe they were giving a new telephone number or a new address or they had gotten married and had a new last name. So any of that demographic information, when it changes, if it's not a match, your system may not recognize 
recognize that that's where it's coming from. And then we did have to weed through a lot that were false positives. You have to look at those as well. A lot of father-son pairings of names where people were named Francis Thomas and the son was Francis Thomas and you have the same gender and you have the same race and you have the same address. And so it makes it easy for the system to think that they are the same person when they're really not. Some, Some of our more tricky situations were when you had very close matches but needed to make sure that they weren't the same person. So a variety of different things. And I think that as our electronic health record tools become more sophisticated and our users become more sophisticated, both the patients and the people that are in the hospital systems get better at being very accurate with that data. It can avoid some of the duplicates, but it's just like taking out a username and a password at a website that you've been in before and you don't recognize, oh, I already opened this one and you create something new. You've just made a duplicate and you didn't even realize it. So lots of different ways and data integrity and using the tools in the EHR, the best way to be able to identify and start to put some QA in place that will prevent them going forward. Lee, what kinds of problems are created downstream when you have duplicates in your EHR? The first and obvious issue, and this was what we mostly dealt with, and this is where the urgency comes from, is you have a lot of risk for your patients. So if a patient has, just give a scenario that they have been previously admitted and they have a certain medication record and then they come back to a clinic to go in and that clinic visit is put onto a new record and then they go back into the ED and they have then an original record but you're missing the clinic visit because you don't even know it's part of that record because it's over on the duplicate. You could be missing medications the patient is on, some of the treatment history, some of their personal history. So it's just, I think, number one is a patient safety risk that needs to be avoided. And then beyond that, if you look at why would you use a patient record, so number one is patient care. Also, we use that patient record to be able to share information between facilities. So that becomes difficult with doing some continuity of care documents. If you're getting duplicates out of your facility, you're not sending the right information or it's clashing with some other facilities information. And then when you do technology implementation, so I bring up a lot of applications in my current role, and when we have duplicate records, it can cause a lot of trouble with actually loading the data into the system, making sure that it's a match back to the whatever you're interfacing or integrating with, and so it can really slow down those technology projects and make them difficult to know if you've got the right data loaded when you're unsure of the patient population that you're putting in it. So I think a patient risk issue, a communications issue, and a technology issue all jump to mind as problems that you could have if you're not keeping that MPI clean. And then what's a medical record department to do? How should they react to these current challenges of duplicate and erroneous medical records? So I think that many of us in the HIM profession consider this to be one of the foundational issues that has to be part of your strategic plan for having technology in your system and having a a clean master patient index, a clean set of medical records, because it is the foundation on which you build all this technology and it is the foundation on which you're building patient safety. So many facilities, the ones I've been in, took it on as a project to just simply say, or let's get a tool or some services to help us with being able to identify what the existing duplicates are already within our system, working those down, getting that MPI cleaned up to where you feel like, okay, we've now gotten rid of the past history of duplicates, and then establishing an ongoing either daily or weekly or if you need to go to something that's a little bit longer term. But most facilities, I think, that are on top of this are more in the daily and weekly resolution of new duplicates. So you have two prongs. You've got to deal with whatever's in there already 
So when you go from, I don't know how many I have to some insight, you need to clear up whatever it is that you're dealing with and then make sure your process, your QA process for new data going in is as tight as possible. So making sure registration has hard stops where they need to be, that they're well trained on how to search to find the right record, and then having a follow-up by an HIM professional who can look at a potential duplicate and work that report. So both at Virginia and Mississippi, they deal with those daily to make sure that anything new that comes in is immediately handled. And with that, the Velocity Interoperability Podcast will return with our guest, Lee Williams, after this quick break. We'll be right back. The innovators at Velocity Health Informatics are focused on ensuring that your healthcare providers will access the correct patient record containing the right data every time. Guess what? This is not a given. 5 to 10% of all medical records have duplicates, and an even greater percentage have incorrect information. Don't we owe it to our patients to make sure that clinical errors are not made due to poor data quality and the lack of interoperability between their providers' EMRs? Velocity is the only innovator that can bring you health information as a service, which includes data quality, medical record remediation, and data integration as a service. And clients are raving about the results. Learn more now by going to www. VelocityHealthInformatics.com. And we're back with Lee Williams, Administrator of Business Systems for UVA Health System. Lee, very soon you'll be attending and speaking at the Revenue Cycle Solutions Summit in Boston. What can you tell us about the event and about your presentations? Ah, yes. And so the Revenue Cycle Solutions Summit is a HIM-sponsored event that we do every six months, and it's December 5th to the 7th in Boston this year. I find it to be one of the best conferences that I've actually ever been to. The content is amazing, and it's really packed. So I am honored to be a part of that and to be presenting. This year we're doing on December 5th, which is that Monday, a special MACRA day. So trying to deal with healthcare legislation that is shifting payment reimbursement methodologies and amounts, et cetera. In the next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of that implemented. The final rule is out. So it's a day full of education on macro to kick off the conference. And on that one, I'm going to be talking specifically about how do you engage physicians in revenue cycle initiatives. So not their favorite thing to talk about money. Sometimes you can get some pushback from physicians where they're really focused on patient care and they don't necessarily want to spend time on revenue cycle or IT initiatives, but there are some ways that you can try to find common ground with them. And so I'm going to be talking about how to get physicians to pay attention to and actively participate and move forward with revenue cycle initiatives, specifically with the view of what's going on with MACRA and what may be those shared objectives that physicians would have to be able to to invest some of their energy and time into getting the organization ready for MACRA. And then the next two days on Tuesday and Wednesday, we have full days of content and I'll be giving another presentation that's on the top 10 keys to achieving financial stability in a value-based world. So it'll be focusing on actually the cleaning up the master patient index is part of that, making sure that your systems are communicating well and that you're getting good clean record sets and then documentation capture and how do you help physicians to catch the right information to support ICD-10 codes and HCCs and other methodologies for reimbursement that are going into place that are either started already or going forward and what are those key pieces that you need to do to make sure that you're able to 
maintain the revenue that your organization is used to without taking. I mean, some of the penalty buckets put you up to 9% of your revenue if you're not able to meet the quality scores. So it's all about getting the right documentation to support the quality story of your organization and avoiding those penalties. Lee, I'm so excited to share the news that you have a book coming out very soon. Will you please tell us about the book? What's the title and what will we learn when we read it? Yeah, sure. So the book is called Mastering Physician Engagement, A Practical Guide to Achieving Shared Outcomes. And that word practical is is very important in there because it's all about things that my co-author, John Showalter, who's the Chief Health Information Officer at the University of Mississippi, and I did while we were learning from our physician counterparts through our EHR implementation there and then also leading the ICD-10 challenge and trying to get physicians to care about coding to the granularity and specificity of ICD-10. So lots of lessons learned about how to work with physicians and get them engaged. And as I was just talking about with the macro stuff, you can get some pushback from the doctors when they don't. I mean, they're busy. They're all, we're all busy people. Every, I mean, everybody you talk to says they're busy. So how do you become a priority for that person to get them to change their behaviors or to do additional tasks when it wouldn't be what they normally do in the course of their day? So a lot of ideas and thoughts on how physicians learn, how medical school treats physicians and how they actually are trained as doctors so that you can use some of that methodology in the way that you're training them on IT initiatives or working with them and educating them on revenue cycle, and then a whole bunch of information about communication styles and what works, and then return on investment and how to communicate ROI to physicians for IT and revenue cycle or population health initiatives because oftentimes in health systems today, the governing body that is making a decision whether to go for an initiative or not or the key players who are going to make it successful are doctors, so learning how to to work specifically with physicians in a new way that gets them really as your proponents that can help you push those initiatives forward rather than the old school way where we treat doctors as something other and they're a pain and they won't listen or they won't meet with me. We want to get over that and make sure that we're including them because with what's coming in healthcare reimbursement shifts and with population health, the physicians have got to be at the table contributing in a meaningful way. So this is just some thoughts and ideas to help folks that are facing those challenges every day with seeing how do we make this happen. Perfectly. I can't let you go until I ask you this. How will folks in medical records be impacted by MACRA and MIPS? <laughs> so I think that MACRA and MIPS are really the continuation of all of the value-based purchasing that we've seen, the shift to pay for performance. And so that really is heavily impacting the HIM professionals with all of the documentation requirements. So we know, I'm an HIM professional, and we all know that the, the words that we're putting into the chart are the quality scores that we're getting in the end. And so being able to partner with physicians to make sure that CDI practices, so if you're doing work with physicians on what language they're putting into the chart, that's going to be needing to to address the areas of focus for MACRA and MIPS. And the quality scoring system, so PQRS is going away, it's being replaced by MIPS. The HIM professionals and the medical records folks need to learn about what those new rules are. And we're really good at that. We're used 
<laughs> that rules coming out all the time. So stay, the impact will be that they have to stay up to date on a new set of rules and understand how that's changed from the past and then be able to guide their organizations towards collecting the right information and communicating it as administrative data going out on those claims forms in a way that supports showing the quality work that we're doing and avoiding those penalties. So they really are right at the pivot point between the clinicians and the revenue cycle and being able to aid those doctors with getting the words in that support the codes, that support the quality so that our organizations can remain financially viable. I think that's going to be a huge, huge component of how we succeed in the coming years. Lee, it was so great to have you on the show. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your great wisdom with our audience. Oh, thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll all be following you on Twitter at Lee, L-E-I-G-H-T-W, to keep up with you and when your book is released. If I'm thinking right, it's next month. Is that right, Lee? Yes, actually, it's coming up very soon. So I think towards the end of December, but it's already up on Amazon, which was exciting to see. So it's out there for pre-order and uh, will be available in the next few weeks. All right. Before we wrap this conversation, I want to thank the great folks at Velocity for sponsoring our show. Please go to www.velocityhealthinformatics.com to find out more about the innovative ways they're solving the data quality and interoperability needs of their clients. And now, on behalf of our guest, Lee Williams, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll be back soon with another informative episode of the Velocity Interoperability Podcast. See you then.